Okay, so it ended up last time, two weeks ago, dealing with the halachas of Shal Shuddis. We focused on much of what to eat and what are the different pecking order in terms of what's more preferable and less preferable. We spoke about the preference of washing, and that's really what one should do, lechatrila. The other options, if one, for whatever reason, cannot, is mazonos, fish and meat, peros, which is fruits. As we mentioned, we spoke about the difference these of you would say that it plays out because if one forgets Ritzebei Shal Shuddas, that's different than forgetting Ritzebei for the first two meals because of this questionable requirement to wash, meaning that whenever there's a requirement to wash, if one forgets Ritzebei, which is the addition for benching, they're definitely required to repeat as a Muslim, which would reply the first two meals. Third meal, being that it's questionable if one's required to wash, one forgets Ritzebei would not repeat, required to repeat as a Muslim. That's what we ended up with last time. First two meals. Yeah. First two meals. First Friday night meal and Shabbos day meal. If one either forgets or is not even sure if they remember Prakhasa Mazda, I would say they have to repeat Prakhasa Mazda. And Yavir was also was questionable for women particularly. We'll get to that position hopefully somewhere down. But this s- simple the answer is yes. Somewhat questionable, which we'll get to. Please, Roshan. I thought it's not, you don't have to. So we're talking about is for sure not. Chalmod for sure not. Men for sure for Yom Tov, and they do require it. Woman is some question, which we'll, maybe we'll get to it at one point. Yes. And that's part of the question. That's part of the question. Is there a chiv suda for women on Yom Tov? Which is somewhat questionable. And maybe we'll touch upon that at some point. So I just want to touch upon timing for a moment regarding Shal Shuddis in terms of earliest and latest times and exactly how it plays out vis-a-vis different options of Shal Shuddis. Firstly, the earliest time. The earliest time of Shal Shuddis is a half hour after Chatos, which is the, may not be relevant, except in a case when someone has, let's say, a very early Suda and wants to be able to have an early Shal Shuddis as well, it's pretty early because Chatos is somewhere in the area of between 12 and 1 o'clock generally, 12.30 and 1.30. So having Shal Shuddhas before that point would be pretty early on, but a short Shabbos, it could be a person diving early and finish their meal by 10 o'clock and wants to have Shal Shuddhas at 12 o'clock. So it's not, like, so it's not an option. Half hour after Chatzot is the earliest time possible to eat Shal Shuddhas. That's on one end, which is probably the easier end. The flip side, which is the latest time for Shal Shuddhas, is technically Shkia. Okay, which is sunset, is technically the end of the day. And at that point, really, the day ends. Therefore, two, on two fronts. Number one is that Shal should be had on Shabbos, and once Shkia comes, really, it's the end of the day. Shabbos is really technically over. And number two is that at some point, it's questionable, can I really eat at this point? Since I haven't been Havdalah, if Shabbos is over, we know Havdalah is required. Until I make Havdalah, I can't eat. So... At some point, it's really too late to eat. So these are all the questions which come up, which certainly, therefore, Rishki is the latest, po- latest point, Lechatchila. Without question, that on a, one should try to certainly start before, sh- before Rishkiya. Now, once one starts, and we'll see what starting means, let's assume we're a case of a person washed, which is the simplest case, washed on bread as one's supposed to. Since they started before Rishkiya, they can continue on as long as they wish. Why? So the answer is that once the meal started, so certainly Shal Shudas has been fulfilled from that point, and the requirement to stop eating, which really would be, since I haven't been Havdal yet, is only relevant 
when the meal was started at a time which is forbidden to start the meal. You can't start a meal when it's time for Abdallah. If you're continuing a meal, that's okay, as long as the meal's not over with Birchas Amazon, and then a person can really go and eat as late as they want once they started before Shkia. That's assuming the person washed. We'll get to the other cases in a moment. If someone didn't wash by Shkia, so the Mishabura says that one still has the option of doing afterwards. We know that the time between Shkia and Tzayis is called Ben Hashemashos. It's somewhat this twilight zone. Questionable exactly is it day, is it night, exactly how we view it. It's somewhat in between. It's on some, look outside at Shkia, it's still light outside, so it's not fully night. Sunset is on some level the day's ending, but until we call nightfall, which is somewhere about 50 to 72 minutes after sunset, day is not really fully over yet in its full complete sense. And therefore, that whole period of Benesh is somewhat questionable. The Mishabura says the person can start Shoshros if they have not yet washed up until half hour before nightfall, which we consider nightfall the halacha in America 50 minutes, 5 or minutes after sunset, which therefore means until 20 minutes after Shkia, one can still start, still start Shalash Shabbos. So as long as it's 20 minutes after, which is a pretty significant leeway of, of a full 20 minutes afterwards, a person can still wash. So very often we, we, Shkia comes and it gets very close. Yes, Lachatchila, no question, start before Shkia. For some reason, one did not. Until 20 minutes afterwards, they can definitely start and eat Shalash Shabbos. Now, once they start, even if you start 15 minutes after Shkia, you can go now for two hours, because as long as we started at a time where it's permissible, and again, this is permissible with the Eved, it's not Lachatrila, really should have been Shkia, but it is permissible at least with the Eved. So once one starts, you can go on for as long as you wish until Berchat Samazon. At that point, kicks in the requirement to make Havdalah, and that would be the Isra to eat, because Havdalah was not recited. Now that's all assuming that a person washed, and therefore the meal can keep on going, there's no limitations how far it can go until it's all okay. It gets much more problematic if a person has not washed and only, let's say, had one of the other options, Mizonos, Shahakal, Hadama, the other options that we mentioned, which are technically options to Shoshadis, but they are much more questionable. According to many opinions, once Shkia hits, if you have not started a real meal, real meal means washing, you cannot continue after Shkia. And therefore, for example, in a regular situation, a person started before Shkia, and they had a kazayas of mazonos, which is, will be sufficient technically to be able to show us. At that point, when Shkia hits, they really should stop. They should stop because the ability to continue on past Shkia, according to many opinions, is dependent upon the fact you started a meal. Once you're involved in a meal, the meal already began before Shkia, the milk can continue on. If it wasn't a meal, which means it was just Amazonas or Hadama or Eitzvah or Shah, whatever it was, it cannot continue on paying Shkia, a person has to stop. So that's number one. And number two is also relevant when, a person, when one started after Shkia. 15 minutes after Shkia, again, if one could wash, it's always better to wash. For whatever reason, I can't wash and I'm going to have Amazonas. Have the minimal amount of a Kazayas and then stop. Nothing more than that. Because, again, the ability to continue on going is, according to many opinions, dependent upon the fact that a person is having a meal. A meal means washing, suda. Without a suda, it won't really continue on. So that's a very important point to keep in mind, that there are differentiations made, particularly between washing and not washing, vis-a-vis how far the meal can go, how far can it continue, and without question, if a person washes, it can go as late as one wants. Without washing, 
much more questionable according to many opinions that we have to stop at Shkia or once you get the minimal amount once that's done you have to stop eating at that point once it's after 20 minutes after Shkia it's too late basically there's no options at that point it is too late to start a meal or anything at that point and a person lost the ability to have shalosh okay, nothing, no way to make it up, there's no way to do anything about it, it was lost that once after 20 minutes, the person would not wash would not eat anything, and we consider it to be too late to actually start anything at that point, being it's already considered to be enough into the period of inashmashos now it's too late to start anything at that point so that's as far as the latest, latest point would be that 20 minute cutoff point to start anything after that So that's the basic crux of Shalashudas. As we mentioned, I think last time, there's somewhat of a misnomer that men and women are different for Shalashudas. It's a misnomer. There's no, there's no basis for that. As we mentioned, men and women are equal when it comes to any halachas of the Shabbos because of, as we mentioned, the comparison between Zachar and Shammar, anything who's, anyone who's relevant to the negative, to the malachas of Shabbos, relevant to the positive, to the mitzvahs of Shabbos, and certainly Sudas is one of them, and all three Sudas are included in that and there is no differentiation made between men and women when it comes to Shal Shudas in this context. Okay, that really completes the, the three meals. And the last two points, which before we get to the actual Malachos, will be Havdalah and then Malach Malk. I don't want to discuss each one separately. We'll see if we have time to get through both of them tonight. Let's start with Havdalah first, and then we'll move on to Malach Malka. Havdalah is, is a little complicated in terms of its structure, particularly vis-a-vis women. The reason why it's complicated is because we just mentioned that the requirement for women to do Kiddush, Lachamishna, Shalash Sudos, all three of them, is based on the fact that Zachar Vishamar. Zachar Vishamar says that if you're obligated to keep Shabbos regarding Malachos, you're also obligated to keep Shabbos as far as the mitzvahs. That's certainly true when it comes to things which are relevant on Shabbos itself. What's on Shabbos? Things that you do on Shabbos. Suda, Kiddush, Lachamishna, etc. Havdalah obviously is after Shabbos. Shabbos is over already. Shabbos is, is complete. Is the requirement for women still relevant to things after Shabbos, which are connected to Shabbos, but not on Shabbos itself? This is a major, major discussion on the Boskim, and there's really not 100% consensus on this question or 100% clarity on this question. And as a result, it comes out a little bit interesting the way it's going to play itself out. Number one, we do assume that there's a strong possibility that women are actually obligated in Havdalah, and we assume that they should be doing Havdalah. Now, an important point to add to that is that even if they're not required to do Havdalah, they certainly can. And we know that all mitzvot, that if a woman, even though she might not be obligated, she can, option to do so, and therefore over here as well, certainly she can do Havdalah, and according to many, she's obligated in Havdalah because it's part and parcel of Shabbos. So we assume that she should, and the assumption is really required to, according to many, and according to certainly one opinion, and therefore the assumption is that that's what she should be doing, whether it's an actual obligation or just maybe voluntary, really is irrelevant as far as the bracha can be said. That's on, on one hand. What gets more complicated is that can a woman say Abdullah for herself? One question. And two, even more complicated, can a man say Abdullah for a woman? Now, why is that a question? The question is as follows. Is that, it's really two separate questions. As far as a woman hearing Havdalah from a man, her husband or otherwise, that's for sure 
the best case scenario. Because if she's obligated, she was yotze with hearing it, like every other mitzvah, which I can hear. If I wasn't obligated, but I just was doing it because I wanted to do it and voluntarily, also great. I heard there, I heard it from man making it, no question. Can a woman make Havdalah herself? So you should say, really, the same thing should apply. If she's obligated, she's doing it, not doing it voluntarily. That's where it comes in the question, and this is a Kabbalistic idea, of women not drinking Havdalah wine. The why behind that is very questionable where that comes from. On the simplest level, it has to do with grapes being, at least according to one opinion, the fruit of the Eitzadas. That's it wasn't an apple. According to one opinion, it was a grape. And why particularly Havdalah is somewhat questionable. Why Havdalah in particular, it, it, um, that wine, have to do it, has to do with the idea of removing Kedusha. Like, Havdalah is a, is a demarcation of the ending of Kedusha, and that may have come Hitzadas, remove Kedusha, and there's Kabbalistic ideas attached to that, which is certainly beyond my understanding. And, but there's certainly an idea of women not drinking Havdalah wine based on Kabbalistic ideas. So therefore, certainly it's not preferable. It's seen sometimes it's not an option, and no other option sometimes may, may present itself. But L'Chathchila, a woman should not make Havdalah herself to avoid having to drink the Havdalah wine. Yeah. So, s- simply it doesn't make a difference, and it may depend on why the issue is. If it has to do with grapes in particular, then it, was, it's, it would only be an issue of wine. If it has to do with just a Kabbalistic idea of Havdalah, which some say it has to do with Havdalah particularly, and the, then it would make a difference. So it does depend on the reasons. There are posts can point out that it would make a difference that if it's not wine, but this idea we assume applies beyond wine as well, beyond grapes as well. Now, so the, the other option is hearing from a man. Great option. The problem is that if the man himself was already Yotza Havdalah, and the only one that's required to make Havdalah is one's wife, or any other woman for that matter. Can a man make Havdalah just for a woman? And this is very relevant. We had this lecture last week. Right? We, were, we were at the convention, and we thought we were hearing Havdalah separately, and I heard Havdalah, and my wife didn't. And we got into this question. For a man to make Havdalah just for a woman is not, is not an option. And the reason being is that because the man himself was definitely Yotze. The woman may not be. The ability to say Havdalah for someone else or for anything for someone else, let's, say, let's, go, let's go for Kiddush. Right? I can say Kiddush for someone else even though it's Yotze already. Why? So we, I think we explained this idea that since everyone's responsible for each other and you may be, and you still need Kiddush, Therefore, I'm lacking because you're lacking. I'm lacking because you have to have Kiddush, and we're responsible for each other. So therefore, I can say Kiddush, even though I already said it already, it's not called the Brachal of Atala, because the person I'm making it for is lacking. So in the, in the common example where a woman, let's say, misses Kiddush, and her husband already heard Kiddush or made Kiddush already, he can still say it again without question, because since his wife definitely is required to make Kiddush, and she still needs Kiddush, and he has... Say Kiddush already, but still he's lacking because she's lacking. That may not be true for Havdalah, because if she actually is not required to make Havdalah, so then I can't say I'm lacking because you're lacking, you may not be required to make Havdalah. So the ability to make Havdalah just for the woman who may not be obligated in the first place is not something which we can just do. It might be Brachal Matala. He may be saying it when she's not required, and it can only work, he's only allowed to say it again if she's required. If she's not required, he can't say it again. And that's where it gets questionable and problematic. And therefore the halach is that in all cases, a man should not, should not make Havdalah just for a woman. 
if he's making it for himself as well, great. Or for another man, great. That's fine, because they're definitely obligated. But if only women are there, women, girls, etc., are the only ones there, he should not make a dollar for them. So that, that obviously brings back to the dilemma then. So what do you do? He already heard of dollar, or made of dollar already. She making it for herself, we said is preferable to avoid for this Kabbalistic idea. But the bottom line is, in this case, you have no choice. Because since there's no man to make Havdalah for her, because all the men that we are here have already been Yosef Havdalah or made Havdalah already. So that's not an option to make, to recite Havdalah for her. In this case, the only option will be to make Havdalah for herself. And that's what, that's, that's what she should do. Make Havdalah for herself, say it, again, even though we try to avoid the drinking of the wine, in this case, there's no other option really, so that's fine. That can be used, that can be done, and that's acceptable, and that's really the, the, the option to do in that case. Yeah, if, uh, I, I guess the weird part is the, the, the only question is is what's what's really the most lachatchila because nothing is is a simple chama medina that that. Is it okay for someone else to take a bottle of wine? No, yeah, yeah, it's really better. Right, I, I would I would say that in that case, better to use wine grape juice and not chama medina is, uh, is always is somewhat what what it's going to be. Let's say I mean alcohol is right, the only one that's for sure chama medina. Making a beer, maybe, if that was an option. But assuming it's not going to be a beer, it's probably better just to do it on grape juice and drink it and whatever the Kabbalistic ideas are. In this case, it's not really an option. So from a halachic perspective, it's allowed, and there's no issue, nothing wrong with it. From a Kabbalistic perspective, we try to avoid it, but in this case, it's not really feasible to avoid it. And that would be the, the proper way to go about it in that case, and it's, a very, it's not so uncommon in this case. And very often people don't realize that the man is ready to eat and the yotze somewhere else. Of, of one of the reasons why you know, the, the idea of making Havdalah and Shul gets problematic is people don't realize this halacha. And very often people, men hear Havdalah and Shul, and they have a mind to be yotze with that, and they are yotze with that, and then they get home and they can't make Havdalah again without realizing that. So it's hopefully people are aware of this halacha enough that they're not going to have a mind to be yotze Havdalah and Shul, even if Havdalah is recited in Shul because they don't want to be yotze to avoid this issue. That's one very important point regarding Havdalah, particularly vis- the requirement of women. Moving on to other parts of Havdalah. So it's, it's really fascinating that Havdalah has really three slash four parts to it, and they really come from very different reasons, very different aspects. There's the Hagafen and the Havdalah part, which really go hand in hand. Havdalah is the bracha, which we made a mouth in Kodesh Tachal, and that bracha is made al hakos, which is why we have a wine with it. So that's one part. And the two other parts are the besamim and esh. And really those are very much different and very much independent. Interesting that the bracha of besamim and bracha of esh are really not tied to Havdalah per se. They're really somewhat independent, meaning that besamim is made, as the, as the Mephoshim explained, the neshami seir left, the person has a, some level of sadness, and the idea of the besamim give a certain consolation, particularly smell, right? Smell happens to be the, the most spiritual of the senses, right? There's nothing tangible about it. It's all purely spiritual. And the whole idea of, of, of smell in general has to do with a spiritual connection, which is, therefore, the smelling of Basamim gives a level of comfort to the Neshama, the Lord Neshama Yisera. And that's why we do that. We put it as part of Havdalah, only because it fits very nicely and naturally as part of Havdalah, Really, essentially, it's separate. And we'll see, there are cases where a person can make it totally independent and separate at, at a different time. But really, it's totally separate mitzvah. 
the bracha of Eish is also separate. The bracha of Eish is made for a, a different aspect because Eish was created on Matzah Shabbos, the day of fire. The Gemara says that Adam struck two stones together and created a spark and created a fire. So fire was created on Matzah Shabbos, and therefore, as a way of expressing a Kodesh Baruch Hu, the thanks to Kodesh Baruch Hu for fire, we make a bracha of Eish and Matzah Shabbos. But really, it's independent of Havdalah. Again, it fits very naturally. Since it's Matzah Shabbos, which is starting now, we make that bracha. The obvious relevance those both points would have is that for some reason one didn't have the Samin when they made Havdalah, or didn't have Eish when they made Havdalah. They certainly can and should do it later on. So let's say a person didn't have a candle, and they were starting to have dollar, and no candle was available at that time. Okay, so whenever you get a candle, it could be two hours later, say, take the candle, light it, and make a bracha, and it's, the fact that it wasn't together with Havdalah is irrelevant. It's, it's not required to be together with Havdalah. Furthermore, Havdalah, as we know, can be made until Tuesday, and should be made until Tuesday. If for some reason, it didn't have wine, grape juice, and I couldn't make Havdalah earlier, I can make it Sunday morning, I can make it Sunday night, but both H and Rasamim only can be recited on Matzah Shabbos. So that means the cutoff point, the latest point to be Matzah Shabbos, once it's Sunday morning, it's too late to make the bracha of Rasamim and Ish. And if someone was making Havdalah on Sunday, they would just say the bracha of Agafin, Hamaldim and Kodesh Tachal, those were the two brachas they would recite. So that's a interesting, just in terms of the structure of how it was set up, that there's really three slash four different things going on, but they really were put together, even though they aren't necessarily naturally tied together, naturally joined together. It's one aspect. The, the bracha of, of Hagafen, as we, know, as we mentioned before, we touched on before, really should be made on either wine or grape juice. There is the possibility of Hamar Medina, which is other liquids, as you spoke about during Kiddush. Again, always questionable what those are. We try to avoid that, you know, because according to many, beer is for sure considered a Hamar Medina, and that is, is an option, uh, other alcohol as well. But non-alcoholic beverages is questionable. Again, we spoke about the idea of using coffee and tea and orange juice. Again, those can be options when there's no other options available. But generally, we try to avoid those options, being that some are questionable what's called Chama Medina and how exactly it's, it plays out. Is there a problem with lemons or ish? Not, not a problem. There's, there's, there's a question if they're required to do ish. If, the, if ish was halacha, we, we hold that they should. They should. And then, let's Yeah, yeah, not besamim. Not besamim. Not besamim. Besamim, you don't do it because it's, it's comforting. We don't right. do comfort from Tishabah. But it, yeah, Eishter would do it, yeah. yeah. There is some question about that, but halach we, we do do it. The bracha of besamim, it was interesting because there are many different things we use for besamim, and they're really all acceptable. Without going to a whole side point now, there's many um, different brachas of smells. There's atze besamim, there's isfe besamim, there's mine besamim, there's reach tov leperos, right? there's really even one more, there's, which is more unusual, which is those which, uh, which are a bracha on, on particularly smelling oils. There are five different brachas that we make on, on smells. Most people aren't aware of these brachas at all, and they all really are made on different things. Right? Isve is made on grasses, which smell pleasant. Atse is when there's a bark to it, right? like, a, like basamim and things uh, like um, hadasim and things like that. Mine is when it has neither a bark or a grass. And then when there's peros, no sumerachal the peros is a bracha actually on fruit. The person takes a fruit to smell and enjoys the, the, the fragrance of that. There's a bracha on that. No sumerachal the peros, which is a separate bracha. And that's in Shema Uri, which is a bracha made on sweet smelling oils or enjoyable smelling oils, is, is the fifth bracha. Interesting that on Matzah Shabbos we don't differentiate. 
we make a mini b'samim no matter what it is. And simply the reason is because it gets complicated what bracha to make, because I want to make one uniform bracha from Matzah Shabbos, and therefore no matter what a person will use, whether they use something which normally would get atzei, or esvei, or mine, or pair, they will still make a bracha of mine. And that's the correct bracha to make, regardless of what, what, what one is using. I think most people use like the cloves, which are actually a mine, because those are not a grass, and not, there's no wood attached to it, there's no atzei attached to it. That would be the correct bracha for that. But the, someone didn't have that, and they had, let's say, hadasim as an example, which really is normally an atzei, Matzah Shabbos, the bracha is mini, and no, no bracha of atzei. That's as far as the bracha on the salmon. As far as the bracha on esh, so we know that a fire is, should be used. Interesting that Chazal required an avuka. Avuka means really a, a torch, and minimal torch is two, two wicks. The reason why a torch is because Again, the whole bracha was made for an appreciation for Akash Baruch of creating fire. So the, it's a higher level of appreciation when it's a more intense fire, when it's a higher level. So the fact that there's at least two wicks there already is the status of somewhat of, somewhat of, a, of a torch, and therefore that's considered a higher level bracha. So that's the requirement. If someone doesn't have that for whatever reason, they can still make the bracha. Bracha can be made even on one wick. Let's say there's a, only one candle and there's only one wick or something. That can be made still if one doesn't have another option. But L'Chathil, we try to use an avuka, which is a more intense type of flame. There's a preference to it. If one cannot, it's fine. You can use it. Yeah, it's try, try to avoid the, the wax melting together. But the, the candles, for sure, can be held together. That's a little bit so there's an advantage if you can get the Akhanas candle. But if not, you can just do it. Try not to melt the, the wax together. So that's as far as candles. There is an interesting question about using electric lights for making a burim or ish, which is really very much dependent upon a discussion we had way back about using electric lights for anything. We spoke about it for Friday night meal, a Friday night um, neighbors, we mentioned I think for Hanukkah, we, we touched upon it. Right? For Havdalah, the requirement is ish, which is the bracha on, on, on fire. What's considered ish is an incandescent bulb, LED is definitely not considered H, and even fluorescent doesn't have an, an H there. And therefore, the only thing that's, that's relevant really is the incandescent bulb. So it has an incandescent bulb, which is kind of less and less common. And according to many, you actually have to see the filament. So a lot of the frosted bulbs, really, you can't even see anything. It's frosted, and it, you really can't see the filament. So really, that's not going to be so, so easy to use that, because number one, it has to be incandescent. Number two, you have to see the filament, see the actual red-hot filament. So it's not something which is going to be so simple to use. If both of those things are required, it certainly can be used the chatchila. Electric coil burn is like if you put it if you put it on. Yeah, yeah it should be fine. Does it, does it give off? Right, second, does it give off real light? Yes, somewhat. I guess it was dark. Right. right. I guess you turn the lights off, you probably see some. Right. Right. So yeah, right. you'll see you'll see some light from it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Allah is required to get benefit, or at least be close enough to get benefit. That's why we use our fingernails to see there's some level of benefit. We'll get to in a second. So yeah, as long as it gave off light, that'll be fine. You really can put two together. Right? It's not going to be. Right. Right. So it'll just be. You can, you can do the technically can do that. That's that's fine. It does have din of ish. It is it is an ish. It's red hot, and that, that will be acceptable as well. The idea of the fingernails has, uh, on a simple level, it's really to have some benefit from the flame. That means the brach is made on, made on the fact that we have the flame and we're benefiting and enjoying it and, and appreciating it. The minimal appreciation is I can see the differentiation between my nail and the skin. Just a way of seeing 
that I can actually use it to some extent and actually gain benefit from this light, which is why we use that way of doing so, and that's the idea behind that. But therefore, one's also required to be close enough that they can actually benefit from it. If you're not close enough to benefit, it's obviously not going to, it's not going to be appropriate to make a bracha on that because it's, the person's far enough away that they're not actually benefiting and enjoying from the actual, from the actual, the actual flame. So that's as far as the bracha of, of Ish. It's very interesting that the, I think it's on the Katachayim, that the four brachas that we recite go actually in ascending order. That the first bracha is Boropiagrafa, which goes into the mouth. Then the bracha is made on the Bissam, which goes which is the nose. The next bracha is on Ish, which is the eyes. The last bracha is on Havdalah, which is Das, which is the person, um, Das, which is, which is the brain. And it's interesting that as a person right, sort of sees themselves in, the, in this ascending order of, of their, right, of their spirituality, really, right? because the, the obviously the mouth is most f- physical, but the nose is in some ways right, more spiritual, and then the eyes, which are, right, and then the brain on top of that. Interesting, that's, that's the order Chazal chose to recite the Abdullah blessing. The ability to eat before Abdullah is something which you mentioned before, is, a, is, a, is something which Chazal forbid one to eat before Abdullah. Interesting that there is an exception for water. Water is, is the one exception, which is not an exception for Kiddush, it's particularly by Havdalah. Havdalah is not as, as, as stringent in many ways than, than Kiddush. And this is the one, one of the differences between Kiddush and Havdalah. A person can drink water before Havdalah, but not any other liquids or any other foods. And one is actually required to do Havdalah uh, before then. And there's also, as we know, two different Havdalahs. There's, there's the complete Havdalah, which is with saying Hagafen and the Hamavdalah and Kodesh Lachal. That would allow one to eat. There's another Havdalah, which is a minimum, more minimal Havdalah, which allows one to do Malacha, which really Baruch HaMalazim and Kodesh Tachal, which really, as long as one made mention of the fact that I'm separating between weekday and Shabbos, it's really enough to do Malacha. That's why one can say that, turn the light on, they can drive, etc. But there would not be enough to allow eating. Eating requires the full text of Havdalah, which is with the cup of, of wine, etc., in order to be, I would say, the full aspect of, of Havdalah. I think that's the that's basic halachas of Havdalah in a nutshell. I just want to start quickly by Malav Malak, and we'll finish it next week. But Malav Malak is interesting that it's really, obviously, as, as the words connotate, the Malava of the Malka, the a copy of the Malaka out. And it's really a brach, a, really a meal to give chashivas to the fact that Shamas is leaving. That the same way when someone chashiv leaves, we copy them out, so too, and Shamas is done in the same way. Therefore, the preference really is Havdalah is, is to hit Ibn Avmach as early as possible, as close to Shabbos as possible, which is obviously, again, more connected to Shabbos, more connected to the Malava of the Malka, which just certainly makes sense and, and, and be appropriate. But the latest point, means if someone cannot eat it early, they can still eat it later on. The latest point really is Chatzos, which is midnight, which is, you know, pretty late. But it should be certainly as much as possible way before then, if, if that's feasible. So in the context of Shabbos, some actually start right away. Love Malka, if it's feasible, sometimes it's Shalshadah's just finished or it was very shortly before then. So it's hard to eat a full Malav Malka at that point and to, and to wash, which we'll see is one of the preferences. So someone will do it later. That's certainly acceptable. It's certainly fine. Everything has to be weighed and doing it to what, what works, what makes sense. But certainly if one can do it early, the earlier the better to have it close as possible to the Shabbos. It actually brought down in... in, in on some level, to try to avoid doing any real malacha. Real malacha means involved work before Malav Malka. 
Why? Because, again, I want to pass about the Shabbos, so if I can't do it right away, at least I have to get involved in real work. What's called real work is questionable, right? Certainly driving cars are real work and lights, etc. But once you get heavily involved in something, you really preferably should have Malavaka before. Then again, all things be equal, if it's possible, if it's feasible, to try to have it before that point. Malavaka is very similar to Shal Shudas, that again, there's a, certainly a preference to wash. Lachatil, a person should wash from Malavaka, and as we know, there's this idea which is brought down from, from it's brought in many postgame and it comes from a Kabbalistic sources that this bone that a person has, the Luz bone, gets sustained only from Malav Malka, that's the bone which is going to be used from Tchias Amestim, versus we'll get resurrection from that. So it certainly sounds like a very integral, important point to try to have Malav Malka and do it properly. It seems very much tied to Tchias Amestim, exactly. All the understanding behind that is certainly, again, based on Kabbalistic ideas, but as a result, certainly having bread and washing and doing it in the impressive way is certainly going to be l'chathila. If someone cannot, again, it goes with the same laws of, of Shal Shudas, that second best would be mizonos, third best would be fish or meat, and fourth best would be fruits. But again, l'chathila, again, the washing would certainly be the most preferable in terms of the pecking order of, of foods. And so we'll continue on next week. We'll discuss some of the other aspects of Malav Maka and then hopefully Salatim Malachas as well. Be'ezer Hashem.